Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome one, welcome all into another Fizz Radio. Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte getting ready for basketball season. Football is on the bye week, so we are doing all basketball all day. Matt, you excited for some hoops? Of course I am. I mean, I'm a hoops guy at the end of the day. I'm, I'm pretty amped. Okay. Syracuse basketball coming up. Season opener this Tuesday against Lafayette. We will preview the Leopards in just a little bit. But before we get to that, we got to get to our preseason recap. They just played two exhibition games. We'll get to our regular season record predictions. Talk a little bit about this team and what you should expect from the Orange. And then, of course, get into our preseason awards and fictional fizz and fizz feedback at the end. So let's hop right into the preseason recap. Two exhibition games, two Division II opponents. Pace, Lemoyne, both blowouts. You beat the Setters by 19. You beat the Dolphins by 40. That's exactly what you're supposed to do against these D2 teams. But the Orange did look pretty good, and especially some of those newcomers, namely Benny Williams and Cole Swider. Cole Swider was ridiculous. I was in the Dome reporting for Fizz for the Lemoyne game, and Cole Swider, that dude put on a show show he can shoot the the lights out like uh i don't think we've seen a guy who can shoot quite like him. wow are you saying better than buddy i mean of course they're just exhibition games Buddy's a, a darn good shooter but he has hot and cold streaks like any other shooter does and i think cole swider has got a hot streak right now and he's taken that at the beginning of the season and i like a lot of what i'm seeing from him uh jimmy can shoot the ball benny looked great off the dribble that athleticism is something that the fans are really going to like uh, and every time Benny gets the ball in his hand, the dome is on its feet. So I think that's going to be really exciting uh, just because people are going to get behind Benny Williams and he's going to be a really big fan favorite, kind of take that Marek Dolezal fan favorite spot. A little passing of the baton, Jaron. I think that uh, Benny Williams is going to be that guy. Yeah, Benny is super exciting. I want to go back to Cole for a quick second. Led the team in scoring against Pace with 21 points on 5 of 7 shooting from deep. That is really intriguing. He finished second on the team against LeMoyne in scoring with 18 points, 4 of 8 from deep. If you're at 50% or higher, you got to be happy with that. Cole Swider, what specifically stood out to me, is that he's 6'9", and he has a quick trigger. To defend against a guy like that is so difficult because he can step out. He doesn't need to be right at the arc. He can have a step or two beyond the arc and still be in his range. Plus, he's 6'9", so if you're going to guard him on the outside, it's probably going to be a guard or it's going to be a forward that isn't as quick as him so he can use his speed. So 6'9", he can rise above people. He releases the ball at the apex of his jump. Some people wait till they're falling towards the actual ground or they wait while they're rising up. He waits to the actual apex, so he is at the highest point when he releases, and he's got such a quick trigger that he can catch and shoot so quickly. There were a couple times that the defense would really respect him and come out on him and then he would put it on the ground and get to the inside with that 6'9 long lanky body plus he has he does have some strength to him too so Cole Swider I think is the big name to watch and then on the other side for Benny 
there's some, you know, there were a couple possessions here and there that you questioned, and of course he's a he, he's a freshman. He's going to make a couple mistakes, but what you saw from him 25 minutes against LeMoyne and putting He just in, looked like he was having fun, too. Like, yeah. He just looked like he was having a blast out there, and the fans really fed off of that. Right. Uh, you know, after the, I think it was the LeMoyne game, Jim Beheim said Benny was sometimes even too passive. Yeah. that he wants Benny to be even more aggressive and take his shots. And I don't think that's a bad thing to be a little passive right out of the gates because once he realizes, hey, I'm this good, he can just destroy people. I What I really want to see from him is catch it on the wing, everybody clear out, get in a three-point stance, and just three take your Three-point stance? Man. Yeah. Like an offensive lineman? Yeah. Triple threat stance, it's the okay. same thing. Um I mean, just looking from last year's forward group to this year's forward group, you had Garrier, Braswell, and Griffin. And you look at this year with Williams, Bayheim, and Swider, they just got bigger. Of course, Garrier was probably bigger than all of them, but yeah. Griffin and Braswell upgrade to, to the guys this year that are longer, that are, are bigger. Uh, I think that this defense is going to really... Uh, benefit from that. I think Swider, we've been talking about his offense. His defense, Jim Beheim said at Media Day, is better than his offense. So he's more excited to see him on the defensive side in that zone. I think that he's got the same exact height weight that Hakeem Warwick did, 6'9", 220. So for Syracuse fans, of course, that block is in your mind. Right. Uh, I think that the 2-3 two, two, zone is going to be a lot of fun to watch this year with those guys in it. Now, this is Fizz Radio, Jared May, Matt Bonaparte. You can go follow all of our content on Twitter at OrangeFizz or go read all of our content. OrangeFizz.net is the website to be on. Uh, so those are the forwards. However, I want to switch gears and talk about the backcourt and the guards because that is really where I get worried a little bit. They are three deep. You have Buddy Beheim, you have Joe Girard. Those are the two established names that everyone knows. Symir Torrance comes in and... He'll help out. He'll be your backup guard. He's not anything flashy. He's a game manager. He is good distributing the ball, but he's not a really dangerous scorer, so you can't rely on him to score the ball when Joe has to go out and catch a breather or if Buddy gets in foul trouble. But after those three, you don't have anyone. They played Cole Swider in the preseason game as the two when Buddy needed a break. And Cole Swider's 6'9". I, he has length at the top of the zone, but he doesn't have the speed that you really need to, especially to keep up with ACC-caliber guards. So if you move him up to the top of the 2-3 zone, you could get picked apart with Swider running the 2. And then other than that, you have Patty Casey, which, don't get me going on Patty How Casey. About Patty Casey? I love that guy. You gotta love him. Love that guy. He's already a fan favorite. However, is he really going no, to Patty be Casey, playing in play these... Yeah. So... That's the question. You, your backcourt is really, really thin. So, yeah, you've got Buddy and you got Joe. And let me say, Joe looked darn good against LeMoyne. 29-2 and two for him. I think everybody should be excited about Joe Girard in... I'd like to point out 20 points and 9 assists. 20 oh, points, 9 assists, 2 steals, if you didn't figure that out. Yeah, when you said 29-2, and two, it sounded like 29. Like 29. The, 29 20, points would be kind of crazy. And two. Anyway, yeah. uh, I'm excited for a year of Joe Girard with fans back in the building. Yeah. I kind of yeah. am going to just omit last year for Girard. Sure, he really wasn't good at all throughout the entirety of the regular season. He had his moments, but it wasn't until the tournament when he kind of turned it on because the fans were back in the building, and he definitely feeds off of that. So expect him to bounce back. I don't think he's necessarily Sherman Douglas, but I think he's going to be a solid player 
uh, for the Orange once again. And then, of course, you have Buddy Beheim, uh, who is just the superstar of this team, one of the best players coming back to the ACC this season. A lot of people are looking at Beheim to hopefully average up around 20 points. And if he can do that, this team's going to be just fine. And then you have the third guy, Simeon Torrance. And when I look at Simeon Torrance and how he plays, if you want to put it in a Syracuse kind of uh, way, he's kind of a mixture of Howard Washington and Kadari Richmond for me without any kind of offensive capability. <laughs> but with a lot of leadership capability because he's one of the guys on this team who does have some kind of leadership. And I, I think he he wants to insert himself uh, into that role for these guys and kind of look at the guards and the rest of the transfers and kind of help them out uh, through that situation. So I think Simon Torrance is going to be valuable for this team. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be able to come in and do what Kadari did last year, which was start getting a bunch of steals, lead the ACC in steals, and turn that into offense. I don't know if Simon Torrance is that guy, but he's definitely going to have some value. Yeah, he'll have value. I'm not questioning that. It's just who's the guy after them. You know, let's just say there is none. Let's just you're say, gonna have to play Gerard for like 35 minutes. Exactly. Let's say Joe is uh, he's tired. He needs a breather. Buddy's in foul trouble. You have Simir and Cole Swider in there, and you're also one injury away. And of course, you never root for injury, but injuries happen. Fatigue happens. Away. You're one injury away from from Patty Casey being your third guard. But he did. Okay, I know we're we're doing the Patty Casey thing, and he's a walk-on and whatnot, but Beheim did say that he could go in after the LeMoyne game. He know, was like, he could play. How much How much confidence you— He said he's you, a good D3 player. And how much confidence do you have is the question. In Patty Casey? Yeah. I don't know. I, I've never—him uh, and I have never done drills one-on-one, but uh, <laughs> I think he's going to be solid. I mean, I don't think he's going to come in and be, like, an ACC point guard, but, like, maybe he could come in once every few games and give them some relief down the stretch. Hey, Braden Bayer did it, all right? Anybody can do it. All right. It's Fizz Radio, Jared May, Matt Bonaparte. Matt, we're going to transition into our regular season record prediction, so we're not taking into account ACC tournament or NCAA tournament, just the regular season, 32 games. What do you got the Orange finishing with this season? So there's a lot of voices around the college basketball landscape that say the Orange are going to be really good this year. A lot of people think that they'll be ranked mid-year, they'll be like a five in the tournament, whatnot. I don't know if I'm convinced that Syracuse is going to go out and just shock everybody and, and kind of return to form that we saw in the early 2010s or something like that. I think that they're going to be better than last year in the regular season, uh, but I don't think they're going to quite get to the point they'd like to be. I'd, I'd say they're going to be around 21 and 11. Of course, a uh, record prediction right now is kind of just a, a shot in the dark. But 21-11 is my number. I think they went around 20 games, and you. I think they do escape the bubble narrowly, though. I think they'll be in the tournament solidly. Okay, how far do they get in the ACC tournament? Obviously, it depends on the bracket and so, who you're going up against. Honestly, what I think that depends on is how good Paolo Bancaro is. If he comes in and he's the ACC player of the year like yeah. everyone thinks he is, Duke's going to win it. But if he's not, then anybody kind of has a chance. And the ACC is not stacked this season, but it's better than it was last year. And last year, of course, was a little bit of an anomaly. But they're going to be good this year, and there's going to be a lot of talent. So Syracuse could win it. I mean, anybody can win a tournament. Okay. All right. Uh, if you want to go check out all of our Fizz predictions for the record uh, of Syracuse basketball coming up this season, you can go out to our website, orangefizz.net. We have an article out there called the Fizz's 2021-2022 Syracuse basketball record predictions. Pretty easy to find. Uh, and all of our Fizz writers have given their thoughts. My thoughts, 18 and 14. I'm a little lower than He's most. Such a pessimist, Jaren. I am always a pessimist. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, I like this team. 
I think they are very similar to last year's roster. Um, and last year they finished with 18 wins. I think they're way different than last year's team. In the sense of how they play, I don't think so. They're going to huck up threes. Yeah, but they're going to make them this time. Okay, this team is one buddy Beheim injury away from having really very <laughs> very little offense because injuries happen. No, think about it. If Buddy Beheim goes down, the offense is dismantled. If if Buddy Not or necessarily. Jo- if Buddy or Joe are unavailable, then the backcourt is really limited. If Jesse Edwards can't play for so whatever reason, so then you have reason, a Cole Swider game. That's why you have all these shooters. It's the best shooting team in the history of Syracuse basketball, according to Jim Beheim. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I agree with that one. Uh, if Jesse Edwards goes down or well, can't play or I was whatever just it about is, to get the there. centers are also a question because then you have Frank Anselm and and who? Nobody. And nobody. So that's the issue. Uh, I think that, that that's you. Your glaring hole is is the guard position. For me, it's the centers. Barama Sidibe already out. Honestly, it actually is a very sad story that Barama can't get back onto the court. His knee is just. It's not to a point where you can play basketball. Yeah. I, I'm not telling him he should retire, but, I mean, it's not I good. don't know if he can come back and play successful and, and, and good basketball for Syracuse. So that pushes in Jesse Edwards to that spot. And I like Jesse in preseason. I like Jesse, too, but Beheim said it after the LeMoyne game, and I really agreed. After last year, at the end of the season, where Jesse kind of came in, they moved the lineup around and saved the year and went to the NCAA tournament, partly because Jesse was in the lineup, media and fans kind of built up the narrative that Jesse was way better than he actually is. I think that he's a solid player, but I think that he's going to he's gonna need time to grow. And there are going to be games where he puts next to nothing in the box score and fouls out. We're going to see that plenty this year. Uh, and he's got a lot to learn, but I think he could be good. But if he goes down... You're in an even bigger problem, I think, than Frank Anselm, and that's one of the it. guards going down. Because Frank Anselm cannot play 40 minutes, because then what you're going to get is Jimmy Beheim at center. Yeah, Jimmy Beheim. Jimmy Beheim could... Marek Dolish, I could barely play center. Jimmy Beheim cannot play center. No, yeah. So that's the issue. And then you also think about their non-conference slate this season is so much tougher. So Battle, much tougher. Battle for Atlantis has a stacked uh, grouping, especially with Baylor, the reigning national champs there. Then you're playing Indiana in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. you got Villain. Nova at MSG. You got Georgetown on the road. There are a lot of difficult non-conference games that are not the usual cupcakes that you are used to. And the conference is good this and year. And the, the ACC conference was should not be good better. last year. Exactly. So that's why, although I I like this team and I do think they are going to be talented, I have them at 18 and 14. Another bubble year that Syracuse fans are going to have to sweat out Selection Sunday. Those are our record predictions. You can go check them out on orangefizz.net. But when we come back on Orange Fizz Radio, we'll get to our preseason awards with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. We continue on here on Fizz Radio. Jaron May, Matt Bonaparte, getting you ready for Syracuse's 2021-2022 basketball season. The football team is in a bye week, so we are all hoops all day right now. We just talked about the preseason, kind of previewed what you should be looking for. Now let's get into some player-specific conversations and hand out some preseason awards. It's one of our favorite things to do. Uh, Matt, I got five different categories for you. I'll let you start, and then we'll alternate back and forth. And we'll start with best newcomer. So this can be a transfer. This could be a freshman. There's only one to choose from in that category. But who do you think is the best newcomer on this year's roster? So the big newcomers, of course, are the transfers plus the freshmen. Like you mentioned, you have Simon Torrance, Cole Swider, Jimmy Beheim, 
uh, Patty Casey, uh, <laughs> and and uh, what? Which one did I miss? Cole Swider or Benny Williams? I honestly, I don't know. You got Cole Swider, Benny Williams, Simon <laughs> Torrance, and Jimmy Beheim. So I straddled here. I, I was very on the fence between Cole Swider and Benny Williams. I think Swider's going to be really, really good, and he's showing us that. But I've got to go Benny Williams here. I just think that. He's going to be great for this team because he's got such crazy athleticism. I think he's the best athlete on the team. I don't really think that's close. Yeah, I would agree. Um, so, and every team needs a player like that. And for Syracuse to have one this season, because I don't really think they've had one recently. You haven't had a guy on this team where you've been like, oh, that guy's a great athlete. Honestly, since Elijah Hughes or O'Shea Brissett or Tyus Battle. like you, There was yeah. like a, a year where you just didn't have that guy. Yeah. So and to even, have Ben even Williams, those guys, like O'Shea, I would say, yeah, a little bit. Maybe Elijah. They were just good at basketball. Yeah, they were just good basketball players. This kid is an athlete. Yeah, take him out of basketball. So he's still well. an athlete. So I, I've got to go Benny Williams here. I think he's going to be the fan favorite. I think he's going to be lovely to watch, and I think he's going to be good. Yeah, I like Benny. I really do. Um, I'm going to straddle the other way, though, and I'm going to go Cole Swider because especially what I saw from him in the preseason – He's a knockdown shooter. He can also put the ball on the floor. He can finish on the inside. He's crafty with it. Uh, and he's just got the frame. He's got the size. He plays like a guard, but he's six foot freaking nine. I mean, if you have that size and that ability, you're dangerous on the offensive side. And defensively, sure, he was playing against Division II opponents, but it seemed like he was pretty comfortable in the zone and could contribute defensively, getting out on shooters, crashing the boards when Jesse Edwards would just watch the ball fly over his head. (laughs) I mean, I like what I saw from Cole. I think he's solid. Also got to talk to him after the game, and he's a really nice dude. He is, uh, it seems like he's all in on this team. Rhode Island native. Yeah, I mean, I really like Cole Swider early in this season, so I think he's going to be the best newcomer. We'll switch over to most improved, and for me, it's Jesse Edwards. I think it's not only that he will be the most improved, it's that he needs to be the most improved. Because, as you said a couple minutes ago, Barama Sidibe out due to injury. It says for a month, but who knows if he I don't think we'll see Barama Sidibe. Exactly. So I think he needs to be the most improved. If Syracuse has any shot in the ACC— they, you know, their glaring hole is always the inside, and their their weakness is giving up offensive rebounds. Especially, remember Armando Baycott just destroyed. Oh, them I remember on UNC. Jared. Oh, I remember. Yeah, so Jesse Edwards has to be the most improved. I, you literally took the words right out of my mouth. I also took Jesse Edwards because he literally must be, because um, if he's not, this team is going to be in a really, really tough place. In in the offseason, they said that he worked on adding muscle, uh, 15 pounds onto him. That's pretty darn good. I don't know if you've seen him around campus, but it doesn't show to me. No, I mean, with that fr- with that much height, it's so difficult to look like you got bigger. I, I don't doubt it. I'm sure he added like 10 because they always inflate those yeah, numbers. Yeah, they do always inflate those numbers. So, I mean, I, I think Jesse does have to be that guy, so I also take Jesse. Okay, let's go to best defensive player. Who do you got in that one? I've got Cole Swider here. Yeah. I think that he fits into the zone so perfectly. I think everybody wants to look at the center position and say, all right, this guy is going to be because whatever. In college basketball, everyone's around the rim, and Syracuse plays the zone. There's always a big man down there. 
I think that that Cole Swider is going to make a huge difference on the wing in that zone. We saw Robert Braswell do the same thing last year in the tournament and towards the end of the year when he started getting real minutes. He looked great in the zone, and he was a guy that I really wish stayed on this team because I think he would have gotten great minutes this year, and I think he would have been a really solid player, especially on that wing. So I think Cole Swider is going to step into that role, be a Hakeem Warwick-type guy, and just be a phenomenal defender, uh, and that's really going to help this team. He's Matt Bonaparte. I'm Jaron May. This is Fizz Radio. We are talking about our preseason awards, and we actually have an article out on orangefizz.net if you want to go check it out. It's titled The Fizzes 2021-2022 Syracuse Basketball Preseason Awards. Again, a very simple title if you want to go check that out and not only find our preseason awards, but all of the Fizz Writers' awards. Um, All right, my best defensive player, I'm going Jesse Edwards because – like you said, there's always that big man in the middle, and although I haven't completely seen that Jesse Edwards can anchor the middle of that 2-3 zone, I saw a little glimpse of it against the Division II exhibition opponents. However, I want to see him—I— I, I'm not completely sold on this take until I see it against ACC caliber or, you know, Battle for Atlantis or Villanova or like a Power 5 plus Big East uh, true opponent. Now, when I say that, however, I do think he has the intangibles just because he's so long and lanky, and with the zone, it's so difficult to choose who's actually the best defensive player, but if he can average you know, a block and a half a game, which I do think he will be capable of, I think that's when you start to have to say, hey, he is helping out enough defensively to at least be in the conversation for best defensive player. My one worry for him is rebounding because rebounding still is part of defense. He didn't look good enough to me in those expi- exhibition games rebounding. No, yeah. I mean, he it did is not look. He looks like he really struggled to get a few of those. He forgets to box out, and that's the biggest thing. He just watches the ball, and he thinks because he's seven foot, he can jump higher and grab it. And sometimes it. that works, but a lot of times it doesn't. Exactly. So that's the question mark for me with Jesse Edwards on the defensive side. But I still think he'll improve, he'll grow, especially this is going to be his first time seeing considerable minutes. I think he'll get there. Um, All right, best offensive player. I think this one is easy. I'm going to let you choose it because I'm going to go devil's advocate and just throw someone else out there, even though I, I on the article I, I we both agreed. But I'll go devil's advocate. I'll let you go first with this. Okay. Uh, I've got Buddy Beheim, yeah. of course. Uh, I mean, this guy has has really transcended into a player. I didn't. I don't think anybody expected him to be for this team. When he came in freshman year, he had that big game against Georgia Tech, uh, and everyone was like, "Wow, this kid is something." And then he he evolved and and he just turned into this player that everybody loves. He became a superstar during March Madness. The whole country was behind him. As Syracuse twenty five points per game. Yeah, on on that Sweet Sixteen run in March, he was ridiculous in the ACC tournament. He was stupid. Just not. <laughs> it was. It, it was. He was just. It was lights out. Dude shot so well. Yeah. Uh, and if he can bring even a sliver of that to 2021, 2022, this team is going to be really, really good. If Buddy can go out there and score twenty plus points a game, like Elijah Hughes gave them that season. This team is going to have plenty of wins, uh, and they're not going to have to worry about where the offense is coming from, which has been a problem for so long, as we've seen. Yeah, on the article, I also said Buddy Beheim, and you can go find that on orangefizz.net because I do think that Buddy will be the best offensive player. However, when you bring up the Elijah Hughes comparison— I think that Elijah was craftier with the I'm ball. I'm not saying he plays the same no, way. No, 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 I know. But 
I think Elijah was craftier with the ball and sturdier with it in one-on-one situations. Buddy question is a little questionable when he just has to take it one-on-one. The offense is stagnant. You got seven seconds on the shot clock. You got to get something up. Buddy's obviously a much better spot-up shooter, and that's what he is known for. It's Buddy Buckets. Come on. Um, so when when Buddy is getting keyed in on on the defensive side, because you know the scouting report for every team coming into the Dome is going to say, hey, go find Bayheim and make sure that he is locked up. So if you have a really good defender that does lock him up, who's going to be the best offensive player? Again, I really think it's Buddy. But for Devil's Advocate, I'll go Joe Girard. I think he starts to feed off of the, the Dome experience, the fans, because we all know that he's for some reason he's better when fans are cheering him on than in a quiet gym. It makes sense, but it's also like, come on, play basketball. <laughs> um, but I do think that Joe will have a resurgent year, and I think he will be much better. So I'll go Joe Girard, best offensive player, just to play Devil's Advocate. Just but to play Devil's Advocate. Deep in my heart, it's still Buddy. And Team MVP, I think we both agree with this one. It's Jackson Buddy Beheim. Yep, it's Jackson Buddy Beheim. Uh, he's the best player offensively. Defensively, he does exactly what you need to do. He gets his hands in passing lanes. He's a little that tall. That is so you know. nice about being Jim Beheim's son what? is that he like lives and dies for this team. So like yeah. if you watch him on defense, like he's the kid on the team who's going to be like teaching everybody else on the court like hey make sure you're doing this make sure you're doing that this yeah. is how you play the defense cuz he's been living in the defense for his entire life so you got to love that from buddy i think that's going to help the team a whole lot and i think that if he can lead this team the way i know he wants to they're going to win games yeah i mean acc preseason first team so that tells you votes. that tells you what all you need to know he is obviously the team mvp and those are our preseason awards here on orange fizz radio all right after the break we go to the opener lafayette coming to town to take on the orange on tuesday we will preview everything you need to know about the leopards Fizz Radio continues on with Jaron May and Matt Bonaparte. We already did our preseason awards for Syracuse basketball. We did our preseason recap, our regular season record predictions. Now it is time that you've all been waiting for to preview the oh-so-dangerous Lafayette Leopards. People are scared of the Leopards this year. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) People are scared. Lafayette coming to the Dome Tuesday, November 9th, game time at 7 o'clock. It is the season opener Uh, And Syracuse, as much as you want to take Lafayette, it's not a big school. It's not a crazy opponent. As much as you want to just chalk this up as a win, sometimes you can't do that because when you think about last season, and we will get to the Leopards, but when you think about last season, Bryant came to the Dome, Bryant another small school, and the Bulldogs only lost by one point. Some say the Bulldogs should have won that game. but Would you be one to say that? uh, I'm not going to make an opinion on that, but... (laughs) Listen, the, the Brian was a good team, and, and Syracuse didn't realize that. And a one-point victory is all you came out with. Listen, you cannot, you cannot, Jaron, go into this game on November the 9th and lose to Lafayette game one. You can't. No. Because people are going to be calling that all year long. Remember the Brian loss? Remember the Brian loss? I mean, excuse me, Lafayette. <laughs> I was talking about Brian so long, I forgot about it. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously you need to take this seriously. I do think that Syracuse just across the board has way too much talent, especially with the Leopards. A couple names you should know, a couple names you should probably know that aren't there anymore. Justin Jaworski, a senior from last season, led the team in scoring with uh, 22 points per game. 
He is no longer there, graduated since moved on. EJ Stevens was also a senior who has since graduated. He was number two on the scoring list with 17 points per game. Those two were also the main distributors on the team, leading the team in, in assists. Um, actually, number two in the team in assists, tied for second. The person that was actually leading them is the big name you need to know, and it's Neil Quinn, who's just a big dude. Another way to describe him is uh, is just big. Seven foot, 260 pounds. He plays not only under the basket, which he can. He averaged 11 points per game, but he also led the Leopards in assists last season with 53 on the year. He can distribute. He has probably the best eyes of a big man that I've seen in at least quite a while. Some people compare him to Nikola Jokic. Listen, this guy is an absolute behemoth, Sharon. <laughs> you mentioned that he's he's coming in at 7 foot 260. Last year that was 7 foot 280. He yeah, slimmed, down. slimmed down. Now he's just he's just a bionic man. He he's shredded. He's coming in like you mentioned. He's got those eyes. He's Nikola Jokic. He can find any player on the team, and that was a lot easier when you had Justin Jaworski and EJ Stevens around. You could probably knock down any shot you want, but Neil Quinn's going to come in this year. It's kind of his team now. He's kind of got the keys. upperclassman. And he's going to move forward with this program yep. and hopefully lead them to some wins. This guy's an absolute beast, number 45 on the court. He can find any assist. He, Like you mentioned, he led the team in assists, which is pretty impressive to do. At any level, but in college as a big man to lead a team in assist, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and of course, when you think about how he matches up with Syracuse specifically, the Orange don't have a seven footer that's two sixty. They have a seven footer that's like two hundred two hundred pounds dripping wet. So he is going to present I think a he challenge. Ate Marek <laughs> I think he did. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a challenge. Jesse Edwards is going to get some bumps and some bruises. Quinn can put the ball on the floor, can dance around with it, but he can also just bully right through this you. This is not a nothing game. No, like, it's really not. Jesse Edwards could really have trouble with this kid. Yeah. And this is a guy that well, probably would play well in Syracuse. So, um, yeah, I mean, you, you can't just chalk this one up. Syracuse is going to have a hard time containing Neil Quinn, and he's got to find some shooters, and he's got that. Yeah. Uh, and the, that one shooter, nice setup, is Leo O'Boyle. He is probably their number two guy, a junior out of Pennsylvania, 6'7", 210. Uh, he's a forward, but he's really plays more of a combo of a forward slash guard, and he likes to sit on the outside. 37% from deep last season of the people that at least had considerable shots from beyond the arc for the Leopards. He was one of the more consistent and one of the more dangerous scorers from the outside. And another guy who's moving up, he's going to be a junior as well this season. He was an all—he was a Patriot All-Freshman. Uh, this kid has a lot of talent, and like you said, he can shoot the rock, and that's exactly what he's going to do against Syracuse. You look back to some Syracuse losses that come to mind when, when thinking of shooters. The one that shoots into my mind right now is Alex O'Connell in the Dome, beating Syracuse when they had Zion, when Duke yep. had Zion and he wasn't playing because he was injured because of that weird shoe exploding thing. Um, Alex O'Connell came into the Dome and just drained three after three after three. Syracuse lost 75-65. Uh, I'm not saying that's going to happen against Lafayette on Tuesday, but we've seen it happen before where a shooter can just take sure. over a game in the Dome. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what happens against the zone. Yeah, so those are the two names that you really should be aware of. Uh, Leo O'Boyle on the outside is more of the dangerous scorer, especially if he can step up and improve from last season. And then Neil Quinn on the inside, the big guy that will really body and challenge some of the SU big men.
one other really angle that you need to know for Lafayette last season, obviously they have had some changeover. They didn't bring in too many transfers, but they did lose a couple upperclassmen. Uh, the one thing that really stood out to me while scouting them from last season is that they allow a lot of threes, number one. And number two, their defense, uh, just defensive efficiency. When you look at Ken Palm, 335 out of 357 Division One teams. They are in the bottom, I don't know if you can do math that quickly for me, Matt. Bottom 20, I can't do math at all. Bottom, <laughs> bottom 25, if I'm That's doing it correctly. Wild. Something like that. Uh, towards the very, very bottom in defensive efficiency. So they allow a lot of points and a lot of threes, which obviously we know is Syracuse's bread and butter. Sounds to me like Syracuse fans are going home with tacos on Tuesday <laughs> night because this is going to be a high-scoring contest because both teams can score the basketball. But it does sound to me like Syracuse has a chance here to go up against real talent, uh, not these exhibition games, and try out what they have and see what they have in these shooters because at the end of the day, it is the first game of the year, uh, and this is really the first taste that we get to see what these guys can do against a real D1 basketball team. So, of course, it is not the... Uh, the Gonzagas of the world with Chet Holmgren, but they're going to be good, and uh, they're going to have to, to play a real game against this team. Lafayette also likes to push the ball, likes to be fast-paced. Syracuse liked to slow it down a little bit last season. They were right in the middle of the Division One ranking in tempo. Uh, Lafayette was right around there as well. Lafayette 145 in adjusted tempo, Syracuse at 151, so just a couple spots separating those two. But specifically, it seemed like in the in the preseason games for the for SU, the Orange really liked to get out in uh, transition, push tempo, get in the passing lanes, and try to get points off of steals. So if Syracuse can play quicker than Lafayette, speed them up, the Leopards are going to have a difficult time, especially if Syracuse is on from deep. So watch out for the three-point arc, watch out for Leo O'Boyle, and watch out for Neil Quinn. Those are the big things you need to know for the Leopards when the Orange take them on in the season opener coming up this Tuesday. 7 o'clock is the opening tip between SU and Lafayette. All right, we have one last break here on Fizz Radio. After it, we get to Fictional Fizz and Fizz Feedback. Wrapping up shop here on Fizz Radio, Jaron May, Matt Bonaparte. Make sure you go follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz. Find all of our audio content on SoundCloud by searching Orange Fizz or by reading all of our articles online, orangefizz.net. That's everything that you need to know. And now it is time for Fictional Fizz, one of my favorite segments of the show where I get to create random betting lines for you, Matt, so that you then get to pick at random, an over or an under. Oh, I know all about this segment. Okay, I just want to make sure all the listeners are ready to go. And we start, and we're only doing uh, basketball because football's on a bye week. We're prepping you for basketball season. So we start with Buddy Bayheim, of course. Points per game. Over or under 23 and a half oh points per game? I was literally like, as long as he doesn't say 23 and a half. <laughs> That's wild. 23 and a half. Is he scoring 24? No, nah, he's he not scoring, scoring 24. I'll take the under. He'll score like he'll score like 22.9. Okay, Buddy, last season averaged 18. However, when you think about the postseason run, he was at 25. Nah, I'm, I'm thinking about it. You're still going to take the under? I'm going to take the under. All right, where, be, where are you saying that he's going to Like 22.9. Okay, so right around 23. Yeah. Wow, I was close. That was a good line. That was a great line. Um, I'll also say under just because he's going to get so much defensive attention that 
it's going to be very difficult for him to average 24 plus. Now, if there's Syracuse, also just so many more shooters, you know? Yeah. I mean, Alan Griffin took a lot of shots last year. Yeah, but he didn't year. make them. Sure, but he still took the Someone's shots. Someone's got to score the points. Someone has to take the shots. Well, Alan Griffin. Not with the team anymore. Two-way, right? Yeah, of course. Um, okay, so you're taking the under in the first fictional fizz. Let's continue on for another fictional fizz. Over or under two and a half made threes per game from Cole Swider. Can you say the line again? Over or under two and a half made threes per game for Cole Swider. That's a lot. To make three threes a game is like a lot. What are you thinking? I will say in his exhibition games, he did four and five. If you need that. Well, if you look at his numbers from last year, which I've done many a time. Which is also difficult because. Because he didn't start. Yeah, and it was Villanova, and he was not the key guy that he's going to be on this year's roster. But he did hit it. I'm going to take the over. I'll okay. say that he, he. What was his number from last year? I know you got one it. One and a half. Okay. I'm going to say if he starts and he's going to shoot a lot more. He shot three and a half threes a game last year. I bet you he shoots like seven this year. Yeah. I'll take it. You, you want the he over? He shot 40% last year. Why so you not? think he gets three-ish per yeah. game? I'll also take the over. I like the over. I want to be, I, I, as everyone knows, I'm an optimist. No, he's not. He's a pessimist. I don't know about that one. I mean, well, I'm everybody taking the else over. does. I'm taking the over. So Cole Swider, over two and a half threes made. Made, not taken. Made threes per game. Both of us got the over in that one. Okay, this one is a little arbitrary. I don't know how we're going to track it to see who is actually correct. However, I was having a conversation with one of our friends during the LeMoyne preseason game, and I I saw that Buddy Bayheim and Joe Girard were doing their, their patted and high five before every uh, defensive possession. Now, it doesn't happen every no time, shot. but most times it does. So I leaned over and I said, hey, how many times do you think they high five in a game? Okay, over or under? 55 and a half. Oh, under. Really? Yeah, under. They do it pretty much every defensive possession, and you got to think there's at least 50 defensive possessions that they're going to be out there for, plus the timeouts. Uh, and every time they come back to the bench. And sometimes during free throws, they would, you know, That's a really... they would they would give them, give each other a little high five. I bet you, like... 55 and a half over or under. 55 and a half probably is a terrible line. Like, it's probably either, it's like... It's probably way It's more. probably either, like... 40, or it's like 110 or something. Like, yeah. so I'm going to take the over. I also It's like probably like over. 200. High but like, I'm too afraid to set the line way up there. Yeah, I would be too. Yeah. There's no way to track it. No, there's not at all. Unless like you assign someone just to watch the Yeah, we should game. assign somebody boom, just to watch boom, a game. Boom. We need a producer to go and do that. Okay. Wow, that would actually be wild if someone actually just had a clicker and just was tracking every time they gave a high That would five. be so absurd. Now, do, do, do warm-ups count? Because no, 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 no. No warm-ups. Do, do warm-ups count when he hits threes in warm-ups? No. Okay, so right when the whistle, even even when they're setting up for the toss, does that count? Or is it the No, the, the, after the, the ball's on the floor. Toss is up. Yeah. Okay. But it counts in between timeouts and whatnot. Okay. All right. I'll take the over because I do think it's higher. I'm going to go to a game one day. Okay, exactly. if you're listening to this and you go to Syracuse basketball games often, do this and then tweet at us because we will interact with it. 100%. You'll you be on the next Fizz Radio. We can, we can even bring you on the show oh, if you know. really want. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Terrence making I'm some promising that right now. If wow. you can track and if give you, us. If you can track it and like give us like an accurate you're serious reading. about it and you did it accurately. Well, we'll bring you on. Yeah. Now, if you tell me it was 17, you're just a straight-up liar. You're a straight-up liar. But if you can give me a realistic number and back it up, we will bring you on the show. We will. There you go. 
All right, that's Fictional Fizz. It's Jaron May and Matt's Bona- it's Matt Bonaparte. We are almost done here on Fizz Radio, but before we go, we got to go over to Twitter, and you can go follow us at Orange Fizz for our Fizz feedback. This is where we put out polls every single week, and we get your take on whatever we're talking about. And, of course, we are covering the basketball team right now. So there are going to be three polls front- voted on by you about Syracuse men's basketball. All right. First fizz feedback, who will be Syracuse's most impactful newcomer? You said Benny Williams earlier in the show. The options are Jimmy Beheim, Benny, Cole Swider, or Symir Torrance. The winner is Cole Swider, 79% of the vote. I think that that is accurate, but I also think it is greatly underappreciating Benny Williams. Well, maybe everyone's just very confident in Cole Swider. Yeah, I also think it might be recency bias because Swider yeah, looked really good is in, the, recency bias. in the exhibition games. He looked really good. Definitely so, is. yeah. Okay, Cole Swider, 79% of the vote. Benny Williams in second place with 18. I think that will even out if we took this poll, you know, halfway through. If we took it before after. those exhibition games, it would probably it would be different. pretty close. Yeah. Maybe 55, 40, Absolutely. something like that. Okay. Uh, Fizz feedback number two. Actually, we have a comment. Let's go to the comment comment Andrew Potter says Cole Swider is going to have a bigger impact right away with his scoring but by the end of the season Benny is going to be very impactful I think that's pretty accurate I like, I like the that. Andrew Potter analysis there Good yeah job. I like that okay uh fizz feedback number two who will start more games at center now this is why I tweeted this out I think the answer is clear it's Jesse Edwards it, the two options are Edwards or Frank Anselm however I would not be too surprised if Edwards messed up midway through the season and got pulled and Frank Anselm gets the start. I would just like to say that this is, the I think, the biggest landslide in Fizz feedback history. <laughs> yeah, 96% of the time. <laughs> um, but I'll also say that you might be right in that Jesse Edwards could absolutely just screw up halfway through, Bayheim's done with him, benches him, and throws Frank in. But I will also say that I think that Bayheim is going to put one of those guys in the doghouse. I think, you think by the end of the season, one so of them he put will. somebody in the doghouse every year. Last year it was Kadari. Before it was Jalen Carey. Everyone, someone's in the doghouse every year. Right. I think one of these centers is going to be the guy this year. If that's it, that's going to be real tough for Syracuse because they don't have any other options. If one of them goes in, the I mean, doghouse. he's going to have to put him out. He's just going to get an earful every time he's on the court and every time he's off it. Yeah, I don't, I don't hate that take. I'll be honest. Uh, Paul Ruff also comments, but Frank will hopefully get much playing time at the five and four. They have to rebound. It's that's a good not point. A bad take. Five and four, maybe maybe a uh, tall lineup for Syracuse. All right, uh, final Fizz feedback. What non-con game are you most excited for? Villanova at MSG, Georgetown on the road, Indiana in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, or VCU for Battle for Atlantis? I didn't want to put all of the Battle for Atlantis since we didn't know who else Syracuse is going to be playing. However, I think that would win by a landslide. So out of those four options, who do you got? I usually don't vote on Fizz Feedback when Mm -hmm. I'm not on it, but even I'm excited for Villanova at MSG. I mean, a Big East rivalry back in the mecca of basketball. I mean, it's just going to be incredible. This is one of those games. Of course, Villanova on paper is way better than Syracuse, fourth in the country coming into the year. But this is one of those games where anything can happen. Syracuse can beat anybody at MSG. I I seriously believe that. Um, So... 
yeah, I mean, I'm amped for that game. I'll be there. You'll be there. Oh, yeah. I'll be there. You'll be there. Hopefully, everybody listening will be there, and the Sea of Orange will follow oh, yeah. us. Absolutely. All right, I also went Villanova at MSG. That got 67% of the vote. Two quick comments. Chauncey, Chauncey McCollin said, so many great, tough, non-con games this season will be tested heading into ACC play. And then Madden Q said, Nova at MSG, duh. Thank you, Madden Cuse. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of Fizz Radio. Thanks so much for tuning in. Syracuse basketball getting its season rolling with Lafayette coming up on Tuesday. A whole lot of excitement surrounding this team, and we will be here throughout the year covering it and letting you know everything that you need to know about the Orange. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Peace.